Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome to October here on the Make Life Matter podcast. I love fall, so I am happy with the crisp fall air. I'm ready for pumpkin patches. Hey, let me know. Message me on Instagram. Let me know if you like fall, what your favorite season is. Also, if you're loving these conversations as much as I am, leave me a review. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. All of September, we talked about having healthy families, parenting, amazing conversations with Carol Kent, with Angie Grant, with Monica Swanson, and with Molly DeFrank. I wonder if some of you even tried a digital detox. And this month, October, we are going to talk about and focus on leadership. No matter where you're leading, you are leading someone and it starts with leading ourselves well. So today I'm sitting down with Jenny Catron. I loved her book that talks about leading from our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then next week, we'll hear from Blake Goucher, who's leading online in the digital space and especially the next generation on loving God well in today's culture. Then one of my favorite conversations this season is with Dr. Olathe Barnett and embracing diversity of a different kind. Then finally, the end of this month, you'll hear from Crystal Martin, who's an expert on women in ministry and in leadership roles. Also, you'll hear from Reverend Percy McRae, who's a chaplain with Cancer Centers of America, and he's going to help us focus on how we can have hope and start programs that instill hope in our churches as we focus in October on Breast Cancer Awareness Month. If you haven't already heard on one of my episodes, part of why I'm leaning into leadership is because I myself went back to school. I'm in graduate school right now, and I am pursuing a master's of leadership and ministry from Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. So regardless of whether or not you're pastoring, you're a man, a woman, you want to grow in your leadership, you want to take your leadership to the next level, I cannot encourage you enough to apply to AGTS. The MLM is a 36-credit degree designed to equip ministers or leaders to become lifelong learners and develop models of personal and professional growth. They have drastically cut their prices. It's affordable. You can do it from home and you can learn more about how this amazing degree can grow your ministry at agts.edu. So I'll put that in my show notes. Guys, lean in for these great conversations all month on leadership. And here's Jenny Catron. Whether you're leading a church, a business, or your family, it starts with leading yourself well. Jenny Catron is a leadership coach and author and speaker, and her passion is to cultivate healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. She's the founder and CEO of the Foresight Group with 20 years of experience in corporate and nonprofit organizations. Jenny is the author of several books, including Clout, Discover and Unleash Your God-Given Influence, and the Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership, which we're going to lean into a lot today, one of my absolute favorite books on leadership. She loves a fabulous cup of tea, great books, learning the game of tennis, and hiking with her husband. And Jenny's here to help us know how to understand and flourish in our God-designed leadership style, how to manage and even embrace tension to lead well, even through seasons of uncertainty or confusion as we've all just come through. She's also going to help us know how to cast 
fresh, fresh vision for ourselves. So maybe you're listening, thinking, well, I'm not the leader of a church. I'm not the leader of a business. We all have to lead ourselves well and lead those around us. And so she's going to help us even to know how to cast fresh vision for ourselves, especially if we feel stuck and then how to navigate working or serving under an uninspiring or a fearful leader. And I hated to even include that, but we've all been there. And so if that's you right now, we want to be able to resource you. You're going to absolutely love Jenny. So lean in for this powerful conversation and welcome Jenny. I'm so honored to have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast. Angela, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We're going to cover a lot of ground together today. We are, right? We're going to be flying through like every leadership thing known to mankind there. I listen <laughs> Well, your book is so great. And if you guys are watching, this is the one that I've just finished reading. I was telling Jenny, I took a video course. I saw her in a breakout session, absolutely loved her approach to leadership. And then I'm working with Ascent College and we have about 40 women from Western Africa that are going uh, through college, uh, being empowered for an education initiative. And her book is one of the required reading for this college course, which Jenny found this out today. So yes. we're, kind of, we're having a little gratitude party and mm -hmm. cheering, cheering that project on. And by the time this airs, those women would have already started. So Jenny, your work is literally reaching around the world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your voice and our generation. You have so much experience, both in church. My husband, and I have pastored and your resources are so great for church ministry, but you've also worked with so many corporations and businesses. And you've offered, authored what I believe to be one of the best books on leadership for both men and women. It's not exclusively for women. The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership, The Power of Leading from Your Heart and Your Mind and Your Soul and Your Strength. So let's just kind of launch into what leadership is. And you define it as an observation of greatness. And you say this, leadership rarely is observable in the moment but it is recognizable in outcomes. And right away, I'm thinking, okay, my leaders might be checking out saying, well, there's not greatness in me. I'm not designed to be a great leader. Um, it's just me and my kids at home or whatever. But I want to start with this because you share that we all have the capacity to be an extraordinary leader. And so you help us understand how God uniquely designed us to lead. And it begins with leading ourselves well. So in that context, can you explain and define how you came up to this be your definition of leadership? Yeah. Yeah. Such a great like context and setup, but I, you know, I kind of stumbled into leadership. I think if I look back at my life and my story, I was always put in positions of leadership. And so I think there were just some, some natural giftings, you know, that God had given me that kind of primed me to, to be in more seats of, of leadership and influence, but it really was in my early twenties. I was in my first job out of college mm. and I, I was fumbling. I was not leading well. I was frustrating myself and my team. Mm. And I had a, a, my boss say to me, Jenny, if you want to work with people, you're going to have to learn to love them, to lead them. Mm. And Angela, this was in a corporate context. So I'm in a corporate context and my boss is telling me to really lead people. I've got to learn to love them. Yeah. And I remember like that felt so unusual because, you know, we had our big, you know, our big goals and objectives and all the things that we needed to accomplish organizationally, you know, for the, for the purpose. And I had a big job. I'd recently been promoted. And yet my boss is telling me that leadership really was about loving people well. Hmm. And I just started this deep dive into 
like, what does leadership actually mean? Because I wasn't sure I understood it, right? I thought, you know, you grow up with this idea that leadership is the person in the position of influence or power, or, you know, it's the rung on the hierarchy organizationally. Um, And so kind of as you referenced, people will sometimes excuse themselves from the word leader because maybe they haven't had a position of leadership, right? Right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And what my boss kind of started to reframe for me is that leadership was a lot more than the position. I had the position, but I wasn't leading well. Mm. And so I began this study of, well, what does great God honoring leadership look like? And I remember that I, I read a quote from John Maxwell, who if many of you have probably heard John Maxwell, he's written a number of leadership things through the years. And he said, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And that influence word got me curious. And that's where a lot of times I'll say to people, absolutely, you have the potential for great leadership because you, you have influence, right? Like every one of us has influence. You and I right now have influence with each other and the listeners of this podcast. They're gifting us the opportunity to influence them. Mm. Every listener has the, the influence of whether it be their kids, their friends, their neighbors, you know, and then coworkers and church members or whoever it might be. But there are people in your life day in and day out that you have influence with. So you have the potential to influence and thereby lead them. But then here's what got my attention, Angela. This is the, this is the kicker for me hmm. is that influence by definition means the power to change or affect someone. Hmm. Now, listen to those words, because this is where I feel like the sacredness of leadership kind of sits with me, is that if if we have influence, we have the power to change or affect the life of another person, that person Mm. we have influence with. So all the moms who are listening, you have the power to change or affect the lives of your children, your spouse, right? You have the the power to change or affect the life of your friend or your coworker. Like, Mm. so this, this this word leadership, I think has so much like embedded in it, like so much power in it that we have to understand that it's like, if I, if I have influence, I have the opportunity to lead others. I have the power to change or affect their lives. And that is sacred work. Like Mm -hmm. it is an extraordinarily sacred privilege to influence and thereby lead others. And so I probably went like way on a tangent no, already, that's so but good. like, that's kind of the heart for me behind the word leadership and why I think, um, it is, you know, it is greatness, but it's greatness in the context of understanding the sacredness of it. That's so powerful for us to just grasp that right off the bat. And I'm curious because you said you were not leading well, right, right at this, you know, early twenties, which a lot of us have found themselves. I mean, even later on in life, we're still learning as a leader, but did you consider yourself to kind of be a natural born leader? I know that's a little bit of a different topic and some people think leaders are just born. Others believe they're developed. It could be a combination. Like I was first born. So you have leadership tendencies, but they still need to be cultivated. You need to grow in them and be, become self-aware and all of these things. So were you considered kind of a leader growing up or were you elevated to kind of this leadership position when you got older and then begin to learn a different leadership style? Yeah, it's probably a little bit of both. I do think that I had uh, some leadership instincts younger. 
And I was put in different positions of leadership and responsibility. And frankly, it was probably more because I was so responsible mm-hmm. first for an A-type overachiever. So yeah. I was just yeah. like, you know, I was just, I was, I, I had a helpful willingness to do whatever needed to be done. So I often got put into responsibilities of leadership, but I also had, I was a little bit more of a shy kid and I'm an introvert by nature. So there were some things that kind of were in opposition. If you just think of like the traditional idea of leadership, you know, so I would say I had some natural gifts and instincts, but I also had people who, who saw enough of that in me that they began to notice it and draw it out. You know, so I think of, I worked for a little local ice cream shop when I was like 15 years old for my first job. And the owner of the ice cream shop, I mean, I was this timid little kid who walks in and asks for, you know, an application and wants to work at this little ice cream shop. But the owner of the ice cream shop, she just really believed in me. And I I often talk about one of the things that we get to do as leaders is we get to give people the gift of belief. Like we get to see and identify things in other people. That's good. And when we call that out, like the, the, the gift that is to people. And so Bonnie, who was the owner of the ice cream shop, she did that for me. And mm-hmm. so there were, there were a couple key points along the way. And then that boss in the corporate environment who kept nudging my leadership development. So I think it was both. And I think there were some things that were more natural um, personality and wiring, but then there was a lot of development that I think, I think if I look at the equation, the development side, both intentionally by others and then myself going, I want to learn what it looks like to lead well. Mm -hmm. And the the intentional development, I think is probably the bigger piece of the pie these days. I agree, but it's so, I love that you shared that we can foster leadership as we see it in our own children, in the lives of others, coworkers, you know, as a, as a pastor alongside my husband, you know, we've been in ministry for so long. You've seen, you know, new, new women come in, new men come in and we want to identify, help identify people that have potential for leadership, even if there's rough edges, if there's, you know, nuances we have to work on, but there are some characteristics that rise to the table. And obviously in a church setting, you're looking for people who are willing to step up and serve. And, and yet there's attitude. There's, like you said, responsibility. There's so many characteristics, but wherever we're serving in business and home and our neighborhoods and schools and churches, you know, we want to constantly be looking for, Hey, this person is modeling something that I want to be able to to pour into. Look at Paul, for example, all throughout scripture, finding people that he saw leadership potential in and yet not just stopping with that, but moving beyond where we were. And that, that takes commitment. Like you said, to start, if you want to lead people well, you have to love them well. It's not just being task oriented, which I'm sure as a fellow firstborn goal oriented yes. overachieving. I still have my to-do lists. I have my to-do lists have to-do lists. So totally can get very task oriented and there's nothing wrong with wanting to say, you know, see things finished and accomplished, but when it would override the people and yeah. the needs of the people that we're leading, that balance can easily get off. I want to talk about influence because you defined that with that, you know, very, well-known John Maxwell statement about influence, which is a great way to frame leadership because we all have it. We all have influence, whether we wield it positively or negatively. That's right. Is the way we use it. But I mean, Jezebel had influence. She just didn't wield it well. So (laughs) 
intrinsically positive or negative. But, um, you know, I wanted just to say something that you actually share in the book, which I thought was so interesting. The influence we earn as leaders is not for the purpose of wielding power. It's for the purpose of loving others enough to help them develop and use their gifts. This is kind of what we've been circling for the last couple of minutes. So how have you seen that leadership is other centric and why that is so crucial and maybe countercultural, to be honest, because I think our culture is still a very me centric rise of the top. It's shifting. It's becoming more collaborative. I think right. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, but really strong leadership is other centric. So I know we've talked about it a little bit, but I'd love to lean into that just a little bit more. Yeah. I love that you name that because I think that was one of those big lessons for me in that early conversation with my boss who says, you've got to learn to love people to lead them. It, it, it began, there were a number of things I learned, you know, just from that conversation, but a big one was that the aha, that leadership isn't about me or for me. And I think that a lot of times, again, because of what we see like held up as great leadership, it's usually, it's oftentimes somebody that's in a, a position of power or influence that um, is very visible, right? And and it's usually about, you know, like it, I was in my work, you know, work environment, the corporate culture at the time. So it was like, you know, you think that climbing the ladder, the corporate ladder, the next position, the next opportunity is leadership. Yeah. But in actuality, it was the recognition that, wait, leadership isn't about my success or my praise or my, like my, even my development, a true leader, in my opinion, in my, you know, like understanding of leadership, a true leader understands that I'm here for the people that I get to lead and influence and therefore serve. Right. right? That, that, that actually is the gift and the power of leadership is the recognition. It's not about me. It's not for me that I, I can remember Angela very specifically. So fast forward, probably a decade. And I was leading in a church context, very large, fast growing church. And I had a team of probably 70 staff at the time. And I remember when I began to really see the fruit of seeing my influence and my work through the team. Now I had seen glimpses of it, but you, you, you get to those points where sometimes as your leadership influence expands, that you see the ripple effect of there's no way I could have done this on my own. Mm, yeah. Like, and, and then you see the, the investment and coaching moments over time with the people that you get to invest in and, and parents experience this, right. Sure. Of like years of consistent coaching development pour into your children and you see some of the fruit of that. I mean, there's no greater joy. And the same right. thing happens in leadership that it becomes more fulfilling to me to watch my team thrive than to be the one thrive, like mm. visible, you know, like thriving or yes. you know, front and center, like starting to see my team step into those roles and see gifts that, you know, there were team members that I hired when they were 22 and young and green and inexperienced and you know, now I'm old enough in my leadership journey that, you know, there's been some of those leaders that I've led for 15 years or more. And you see like the fruit of their work and their growth and their maturity. And you go, what a gift yeah. that I got to be a small part of their development and their, their growth and them living into the gifts that God had given them. And so I think that, that flipping that understanding of leadership to go, it's not about me. 
I'm not seeking leadership for me to become something. I'm seeking leadership for the privilege of being able to invest in and develop up and and see the exponential impact of everybody thriving in their giftedness. Mm, yeah. And that's been so life-giving, not always easy, right? right. Like not, you know, cause the egos, the ego is present. The ego is battling for the attention, True. but the, op, it, like just the joy and the gift of, of seeing others thrive and having been able to be a part of that uh, is that there's just no greater joy for me. I love that. And that just shows such maturity and leadership because an immature leader is very self-focused and they need the glory. They need all the recognition or they're even afraid to delegate. It won't be done. I mean, we've all heard that if I, if I ask them to do it, it's not going to be done just like me. And I've made those mistakes. Oh, totally guilty of that. Right. Exactly. Especially early on when you feel like I need to prove myself or prove my gifts or whatever, even as you were sharing and I don't want to get preachy, but it just, I couldn't help but think about Paul talking about even the spiritual gifts they're not there just for you to have a plethora of spiritual gifts. They're there for the edification, the encouragement of others, the building up of people. So the point of, Hey, so-and-so has all these gifts. It's not just for you to be a spiritual hoarder. It's for you to then be used in greater impact for the kingdom because God has entrusted you with these leadership gifts. So uh, maybe an old, older school model of leadership was it was positional. They have a title, they have a position, therefore they are the leader. Now leadership is so relational. You have people with titles that are not strong leaders. I hate to say poor leaders, but some of them are. And you have people without titles or a position, but they're Mm -hmm. just very gifted leaders that that are willing to serve even without the title of position. So we can't necessarily attach a value of a leader to a title or a position. Now we can honor as the Lord tells us to in his word, if someone has a position and and a title and they're an authority over us, we honor, we honor for that, but we can also still be advocating for the best possible situation. And maybe an agent of change, as you said, as strong leaders are, then you go on in the book after you kind of defined it, talked about your story, both in corporate and church, then you lead us through these four dimensions is what you call it really Mm -hmm. from how should we love the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all of our strength. And so obviously not only just being our best selves for what God has asked, but also leading well has both strengths and challenges, I would say of every leadership style and dimension. So I'd love to talk. I want people to get the book. So I already pre-told Jenny, I only (laughs) want you to because just tease them a little bit. Because again, if you're watching um, the book that we're talking about today is the four dimensions of extraordinary leadership. You can already see um, just she's a wealth and a resource and she's very authentic and transparent. And it's just a, such a gifted resource. But Jenny, you really take a lot of the book and talk about these four different dimensions, how we're wired. And it to me, it helped lift pressure off of me. You're ah. going to have a natural bent. You're going to have one. That's sure, right. we'd love to do all super, super well. And the overachiever means like, I, I need to do all of them at hundred percent, but you're probably yeah. not going to, you're probably going to have a natural leadership. You even start with an assessment. Hey, sure. are these things tend to be a way that you would respond or lead or handle something? So it helped me to feel like, okay, I know what my primary leadership style is, how God has been designed me. Yeah. And to operate in the way that he's designed me rather than trying to be somebody I'm not that now that's not an excuse for poor leadership. I don't mean that. That's right. Yeah. But I mean, stewarding well, what I've been given rather than pining away for what I have not. If mm-hmm. someone else is more gifted at X, then entrust that to them and just lead in the way that he's 
has he's given me. So I'd love to just kind of briefly look at all four and some of the characteristics of each. And maybe even if you want to give, Hey, this is a potential pitfall. Um, sure. and, then, and people, when they get the book can even take the assessment. So let's talk yeah. about a heart leader. Cause you kind of start with what are the challenges and characteristics of a heart leader? Yeah. Angela, I love that. And you gave such good context. If you don't mind, I'll back up for a minute to just Please. give the, how I got to oh, that framework. That. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that early stage of leadership for me, where I'm trying to understand what does great leadership look like? How do I define this? How do I do it again? Firstborn a type overachiever who's trying to do it right, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and if funny enough, I was, you know, I was probably processing and praying through, cause I really had this deep conviction of, I want to lead well. Like I've, as, as you said earlier, I've had wonderful leaders in my life. And I've also had leaders who did not steward their influence quite so well. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, some hurt or pain from a leader who didn't steward that influence well. And I felt this deep conviction, partly because I was leading in a context where I was kind of floundering and it was impacting my team. And I was like, I don't want to be that leader that somebody looks back at and goes, oh my gosh, that was the worst experience of my life. She was horrible. You know, it's like, I don't want those stories as much as I can avoid it. So I'm doing this deep dive in leadership. I'm studying and I'm reading and, and I felt God just kind of prompted me to, to camp out in the gospels. Mm. Let's look at the life of Jesus. How did Jesus lead? And you know, you would have thought that might've been the first place I went right. and it was, you know, one of those that like, God hadn't had to nudge me of like, Hey, don't <laughs> just spend a little time in scripture on this one. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I was. And I, I got to that familiar passage. I would happen to be in Mark chapter 12 and, you know, Jesus is being challenged with, you know, questions about taxes and resurrection. And, but then they say to him, well, what's the greatest commandment of all? And he responds with what we know, the great commandment to be love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And so my instinct was to race by it, right? Because I memorized that back in like second grade Sunday school class. And it would, again, it was like kind of this God prompt to slow down, like look at the scripture in the context of leadership. Mm. And immediately I go back to that call, that conversation I had with my boss who said, if you want to, um, lead people, you're going to have to learn to love them. Mm. So here I am in the scripture that says, love God and love others. Wow. Well, perhaps instead of overcomplicating leadership, we go back to those two, the first and second great commandments. And we say, wait, what if I'm grounding my leadership and loving God and loving others? Wow. That's so good. Right. It's like, okay, quit overcomplicating it. Here it is as a person of faith. Like, let's just apply what God's already told us. And then let's look Mm. at that through the lens of leadership. Well, then I got curious because there is that caveat with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as I dug into that, pulled up all my, you know, my Bible resource materials, right? The implication is that heart, soul, mind, and strength is our whole being, Mm. right? So Jesus, Jesus caveats the love God and love others with the, with you love God and love others with your heart, soul, mind, and strength with your whole being with everything in you. Mm. And so then I dug into it and thought, okay, what does that look like for a leader? So now I'll start on the, the heart. Piece no, I'm me. so glad you shared that. I, sh- I should have just asked like, how did you even land there? Because you're right. It should kind of be a given like, Oh, love God, love people. That's what we're called to do. But we yeah. do, we get all in the weeds about all these other things and we forget the crux of it is. And even that, just those two commandments. I mean, we think Jesus simplified and took all these commandments and gave us two, but they're nearly impossible to do. They're certainly impossible to do without the help of the Holy Spirit. 
So the point is you have to start by loving God and then loving others. So I'm so glad you walked us through that. And I love knowing the why behind you landed where you landed. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for indulging me on that. Oh, of course. No, thank you. So it was the light bulb for me of, of, Hey, quit overcomplicating leadership. Like at the end of the day, it's about loving God, loving others. That's what I'm called to as a follower of Jesus. That's right. And so now how do I do it? How do I do this from a leadership standpoint? So I began to look at heart, soul, mind, and strength because Jesus isn't, he's, he's implying that that's our whole being. So how do I show up with all of who God's designed me to be to leadership? Hmm. And so I started looking at each one of them. So like heart, the heart, you know, is like the truest part of who we are. It's the center of our emotions, our desires, our wishes. Um, and what stuck out to me as it relates to leadership is that, you know, it is hard to have influence if you don't have relationship with someone. True. And oftentimes in leadership, we jump over the relationship building to just get to what needs to get done. The task, the, the topic, the objective, the goal, the whatever needs to be done. And we skip over the heart side of leadership. But the heart is all about building those relationships that build trust that help us earn influence. Mm, that's good. So, so leadership really begins in the heart. It begins with this first piece of saying, hey, as a leader, I've got to learn to like build relationship to see people. So here's, so as you referenced, Angela, there's a, there's an assessment in the book and it's designed to help you look at which one of these four dimensions are you naturally stronger in and which one are you maybe not as strong in. And here's a caveat I give to this, because a lot of times when we take personality assessments, we, um, we were told to focus on our strengths and not, you know, worry about the ones we're weaker in. And so we kind of sometimes give ourselves a pass. Well, notice again, Jesus didn't say love God and love others if you have heart or if you have soul or if you have mind or if you have strength, he's saying they're there. Now, some of them are stronger than others. And the opportunity is to lead with an awareness of it. That's the thing that I encourage people. It's like you said earlier, we don't all need to be exceptional at all four, but we need to realize that our best leadership shows up when we're aware of all four. So mm. let me show you how this plays out. Heart is one of my weaker ones. Mm. Um, and it's probably no surprise, just with a little bit of, of story I've given you that I was a very driven, make it happen. And I still am. My team's in the middle of a big project right now. And I notice I can just get like really like focused and intense about all the things we have to get sure. done. Detailed because, outcomes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So task kind of you know, in under stress and pressure, I default to task instead of to people. So heart is a dimension that isn't quite as strong for me. Um, So I have to be intentional about that. And one of the little mantras I give myself is slow down to see people. Mm. Like it's just like a little bit, and I'll put post-it notes all over my desk or my computer, Mm. slow down to see people. Because I know that to be a healthy and effective leader, relationships matter. And so I've got to engage my heart, even, even when I'm so like today, I'm on a call with my team, just giving you some practical application of this. I'm on a call with my team. I know we're under the gun of getting everything done for this conference we have coming up. And I say, Hey guys, I know I'm kind of in task mode. Um, cause we've got a lot going on. So thank you for your grace. Cause I know I'm probably just going to be, you know, a little bit intense today, but that alone was me engaging my heart. Because while I wasn't, while I wasn't trying to diminish the fact that we had to get a lot done, 
I was recognizing my team is going to be experience me that way. And if I like, if I want to keep influence, even in a pressure situation, like recognizing how they feel and, and how I'm making them feel is really important to, to maintaining relationship and building trust. And so that's just an example of like that, that heart, the heart side of leadership is that recognition of the relationship, having the emotional intelligence and being in tune to how are the people around me experiencing me as we're leading together. Does that make sense, Angela? Absolutely. So good. So good. Because you couldn't stop on a day like today and say, so tell me all that's going on in your life. We didn't really have the margin for it today. You got a million things to get done. But the awareness of saying, before I just dive right in, let me be thinking, okay, we're in this mode today. Then you're aware, they're aware, and every meeting won't feel that way. So no, I think that's super, super helpful. Yeah. 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 So the second one, do you want me to jump to soul? Yeah, let's do. Let's go to soul. Um, the second one, soul, is is really that spiritual side of leadership. Mm-hmm. So as a person of faith, this is, uh, you know, and I'm guessing a lot of your listeners are, you know, Jesus followers or, yes. you know, and and so this comes, you know, is, is important. Here's what I noticed. I was working in a church when I wrote this book. And what I discovered is that while we were doing ministry together, we weren't always ministering to each other. Mm, that's good. And, and so the spiritual side of our leadership, I think we were kind of um, just assuming it was happening because mm. we were in a church and we were doing ministry together, but sometimes mm. we weren't spiritually leaning into like uh, how we were doing and, and like w- using that as a way to connect with our team members and knowing, Hey, as, as, as people who are leading together, how are, how is our faith informing our work together? Right. And so that's the, that's this dimension. The soul dimension is that spiritual element of how does my faith inform my work? Now, some of your listeners may be in, you know, the followers of Christ, but they may not be in a, an environment where they can be overt about their faith Sure. their faith still can inform their work, right. Of like, how is the fruit of the spirit showing up in my life and in my leadership is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Are those things present in how my team experiences me? I don't have to be preaching Jesus in order for them to be them to be experiencing him. Right. right and so right. that's my encouragement to other believers that might be in a context where, okay, I can't be as overt about my faith, but the values of a Christ follower, the values that inform my faith, when those show up, it's pretty like they, they, they speak loudly. They're countercultural. Yeah. And that's my encouragement to people is like your soul is it's the things that are most important to you. The things that guide you, the values that inform how you operate and how you behave. And are those same values present in how you're engaging the people you lead? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the heart and the crux of leading with soul. I love that. It's also congruency of character then so that who totally. you are is the same, you know, if you're a Christ follower, then how can you still bring the same character into a marketplace, even a secular environment? That's right. Doesn't necessarily mean you can crack open your Bible and preach a sermon, but it's, it's the congruency. I've even had, you know, kind of challenging conversations of people who are one, one way, maybe in a church setting, and then they're very different. And and I know we yeah. have to sometimes, you know, be harder in our work environment or whatever, but, but we should still be reflecting the character of Jesus. Like you're saying, in in the way that we talk to people in the way that we 
handle conversations or conflict resolution. There's a number of ways that we can still be modeling consistency and congruency in our character. So I love that you, you shared, even those that are listening, they're like, well, I work in the, in a, you know, in a business or at a Panera or a college university, you can still be bringing who you are and let faith involve your work. What about mind? Because you talk a lot about in the mind section of the book about stewardship, which I found to be an interesting connection. How did you kind of draw this connection between, okay, a leader that's leading with a core strength of mind there's all of this understanding of stewardship. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that was unique for me. Yeah, yeah. So um, the mind dimension is it? You know, it's it's the it's the tactical. It's the like decision making. It's the problem solving. You know, it's amazing what God has designed our minds to be able to do. And so, mm-hmm. particularly in a in a leadership context or in a work context, you know, those are more of the skills that we naturally engage, but you know, for, to what end, I guess, is the question. Mm -hmm. And that's where the stewardship piece came into me because there's a discipline in stewarding what God has entrusted us with. And I think that's really important for us as leaders to recognize in that we need to make smart, thoughtful, disciplined, honoring decisions about how do we use our time? How do we manage the time of our team? How do we use our resources? Are we spending money wisely? And now you start to see how these all connect, right? Because am I being integrous with how I'm spending our resources, which is soul and mind, you know, making decisions together. And so, yeah, the stewardship piece, I think is probably a personal conviction of, I think when we've been entrusted with responsibility, there's a, there's a, there's a stewardship that comes with that. And the, and there's a discipline required in that. And so I think to be thoughtful about that is really, really critical. So that's how I draw that connection. No, I love that. I, as you're saying that it makes me think of like your managers, the ones that are managing the things that have been entrusted, they have to steward that well, their time, their resources, their challenges, their personnel, all those things, even in the parable in the Bible, the story of, you know, one was given one talent, one given five, one given 10, and the one with one just buried it and said, well, I don't want to lose what I had. They didn't steward it well. That's so there's right. a whole stewardship principle of, you know, if you've been given, you, you can be given more, you can be entrusted to more. So that makes complete sense that that's really kind of the manager um, that would leave the mind and is managing a multiple things at one time and stewarding it well. And maybe then that's a, a bit of a differential from the visionary leader, which is the one that final component, which is leading with strength. This is the typical visionary. I would love to know, like, what is a strong vision look like when it's, you know, lived out and you know, okay, that person is really, because you say this visionary leaders understand how to be a bridge from reality to possibility. So help us know like, okay, because I know a lot of people, Jenny, that are great visionaries, but it doesn't ever move. There's never legs to the vision. It doesn't, and you might have a different way of phrasing that, but that's just what it looks like to me is. And I'm a creative, my degrees in music. It's great to have all these creative ideas, but if we can't ever get tangible details yeah. to them, they just stay in the, the land of vision, vision land. Yeah. It doesn't ever materialize. Yeah. I mean, we might have a lot of great photos of the things that, that Walt Disney designed in his mind, but, right. but if you don't put them to, you don't put feet to them, they're just great vision. So yeah. we need vision. We need visionaries. But how, you know, how can we help move things from a vision to a possibility and actually see it happen? Yeah, such great questions. And yeah, and I, I like, and, you know, so we're, 
this is the strength part of the equation, but I do talk about vision because what does scripture tell us without vision, people perish. And so, especially when we're talking about leading others, they need a vision to know where are we going? Like what, give me hope, give me possibility, help Mm. me see what I can't see. Mm. That's part of the gift we get to give those we lead, but you make it a really critical distinction that if we just live there, um, then we don't put that vision into action, which then can be defeating or frustrating for team yeah. members. Or if there's a new vision every two minutes, yeah. um, that gets exhausting <laughs> yeah, for team members, true. right? And so this is where, again, you see these, these four dimensions work together because that vision, that strength needs to be implemented by the mind, That's right? Good. So this is where, this is why we need to lead with an awareness of all four. You, you articulated this as you were talking about it. Like we need the visionaries. We need people who see hope and possibility and that gives us strength and it helps us keep working towards the thing that we haven't yet achieved, right? Um, but a great visionary leader also leads with a little bit of heart and soul. Their heart recognizes, here's where my people are. Here's what they need. I'm sensitive and I see them. I'm spiritually connected to with where God is leading me and what God is asking me to do. So I'm, I'm engaging the spiritual side of my leadership, the soul, and then I'm going to lead in, lean into mind because now I need to put some action to this. I need to know what steps we need to take. And so they all work together. It doesn't mean you have to be exceptional at all. In fact, most visionaries find a really strong person in mind who can partner with them to make it happen. So it doesn't mean you have to be exceptional at all of them. You just need to know, Hey, if I'm going to lead with strength, I need to make sure heart, soul, mind are with me in order to, to see this really come to fruition. Mm. So that's how I look at that, that, that visionary does get to be the champion of hope and possibility. They, they need to be that chief reminding officer. So yeah. you can give yourself another title, right? Like the, <laughs> the person who's reminding people of here's where we're going. Here's why it matters. Why here's going, how yeah. you're connected to it. Right. And, and here's how we're going to make it happen. That's so, so, um, so again, the more we lead with a, a, a awareness of all four, I think the stronger our leadership emerges. I agree. So that's really the heart behind it. So, so good. And that way, if you're, if you are trying to still kind of find your vision as a, as an individual, and I mean, your leadership style as an individual, knowing what you're strongest suit is, I guess to say it that way, although you should be keenly aware of all four would help you to be, I mean, it's, you don't want to be frustrated. You want to feel fulfilled. You want to be connected to meaning and purpose and kingdom purpose. So if you're being the one asked to, to cast all the vision, but you're really more of a manager detail person, you might feel stressed out by that or the other way around, you know, visionaries can stress people because they're coming up. Like you said, with, I got another idea, you know what I mean? And the idea people and someone's like, Oh, that means I got 82 things on my to-do list because so-and-so just had an idea. But if we could see how we complement each other rather than, you know, that, that stresses me out or, or to recognize if you are in a leadership role, be sensitive and aware to the people, you know, I, I took my leaders to this assessment, assessment, my women, my female leaders that. of the church, because, you know, it was interesting for me to be like, okay, there's my mind, you know, yeah. resonated with that was most, or there's my strength people. So it's so helpful from a variety of, of, of ways. And I know there's so much I want to cover, but I do want to ask you quickly, maybe just give us, you know, a 30 second, one minute kind of answer to these things just to help us know if we're moving in the right direction. If someone's listening and they're like, I don't even know how to cast vision for myself. I feel mm-hmm. really stuck. 
what would yeah. be your first step for them? Yeah. Um, I love that question. And I would say a couple things I would, you know, obviously just like asking God for insight, wisdom, you know, perspective, obviously is such a key starting point, but then going to people closest to you and saying, Hey, what do you see in me that you don't think I see or that I'm overlooking? Mm -hmm. Right. So get it. So those that need to be trusted voices, they need to be people who will be good and honest with you. But sometimes getting people to just name what they see in strengths, because oftentimes we undervalue things that we're really good at, or God has gifted us to do because they come easily to us and they look like a superpower to somebody else. That's good. So I think, you know, that's the power of community. If we have good community, they can speak life and truth into us that can be really helpful and give us that hope and that vision for ourselves personally. And so those would be, those would be the first couple of places I would start. You know, I actually saw that in action this past weekend. I had a women who lead conference and um, for our church, the women at our church, a, re- a retreat. And one of the things that we did on the second day was to sit and kind of develop a vision and value statement. And it come out of a book we had read together. So it wasn't coming from nowhere, but some women, I could just tell the blank stares, they were stuck. And so I said exactly what you just shared with us. Listen, if you're stuck, begin to write down maybe some attributes you use to describe yourself or adjectives or someone next to you pair up with someone and say, what do you see? And I started to hear, oh, you're so resilient. You're so this, you're so that. And that became a framework of, you know, vision. Who are they? What do they feel like God's calling them to in this season? And then values are just, you know, the how it's going to be. I am a this, I will do this. I'm called to do this, the, the, the action verbs. But I, you know, to get us going, it was exactly what you just said. If you're feeling stuck, I literally got up and said, girls, if you're stuck, start with descriptors and ask someone next to you, what do you see in me? Like you said, what I think is just a normal thing. Someone else sees as a superpower and we're so quick to believe lies about ourselves. We need reminders that there are things that God has uniquely done in us that he wants us to use. So I've seen that in action. And so I a hundred percent agree. That's so powerful. And that helps someone right now to be like, okay, I can do that. I can just start and phone a trusted friend and say, I need some help. I want to get unstuck and move into a new season. And then finally, and I know we could spend a whole hour about this, Jenny, but sadly we've all heard about living under either a leader that was abusive or just really uninspiring or, or poor, you know, we, mm-hmm. as I'm saying that we can all think of someone in our life. Hopefully yeah. we haven't been that leader and maybe we have, and we need to think, Oh no, I need to do things differently. But for someone who might be listening, saying, I hear you and I get it, but I am in the worst possible situation. I'm just sitting under a leader that I just either don't respect or can't follow. Yeah. Well, I know you've encountered that, you know, in sure. not only your own leadership, but with others, what, what encouragement do you have for them as we kind of wrap this up, Jenny? Yeah, that's such a good question. And that's a really practical and real question. And so I love that you asked that because I know there's probably many listeners who can resonate with that. I think the first thing I do in a situation like that is um, just get clarity on just God, do you have me here for right now for a reason? Like, and, and, and getting peace with, you know, okay, God has me here. He has not released me to move on. Like, so, and, or my circumstances dictate that this is, so getting peace with, okay, I'm here. And so now I've got to be intentional with how can I best steward this moment? Right. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing that I did in one season, Angela is 
I was under a leader that I had a lot of difficulty um, respecting years ago. And I was young and probably a little naive, but it was also a, a frustrating situation. And so instead of like letting that seep out elsewhere, I started just journaling and praying through what I experienced and what I observed with the intention of not just vomiting about the person, but with the intention of saying, what can I learn? Hmm. How do I, what do I want to learn? What do I want to take away from when I have an opportunity to influence somebody else? Um, So I I used it to like internally go, what do I want to learn from this? And that was really helpful to me because I just turned it into something. How can I learn from this? So, you know, you have to be smart and careful with, obviously there's, you know, I, I needed to make sure that was just between me and that little journal and God, you know, what was written there. Exactly. Um, But I was trying to, I was trying to get the lessons rather than let the frustration get the best of me. Oh, that's so good. Um, I think there's also situations, so every situation is going to be a little unique, right? But like, there also are situations where trying to seek to understand where that person is coming from. Sure. Is there something going on in their life or their family? Doesn't excuse their behavior, but is there something going on that would give me more perspective and understanding of why I'm experiencing them this way? Um, and so those are a couple of things. Again, every situation is going to be unique. But I think like just getting clear about, okay, if, if I'm here and it's clear that there's not, um, it's not time for me to move on, yeah. then how, God, what do I need to learn in this situation? That's right. right. And I think that posture always, always serves you well. That's so helpful. That's so helpful just because there's some things we can't change, but we can change the way we respond and react to it. And everything can be a learning lesson and experience for us. So uh, I don't have time to go into it, but I nearly lost my life uh, actually almost two decades ago. I can't believe it's been so long. And and I was processing some things that had happened afterwards. And I felt like the Lord had me sit with two questions. Um, What do I need to learn from this? And how can you use this for your glory? Yeah. And if, and that's a, that's a reframing. Those are reframing questions to be like, I can't change what happened. I I can't go back. I, I can't undo it. This is where we are. Mm-hmm. What do I need to learn from this? And how can you use this for your glory? That also gives kingdom value to something that could be a painful experience. God yeah. doesn't waste it. Nothing you've gone mm-hmm. through is wasted. And again, if like we said a little bit earlier, you can still love the person well, even if the situation is challenging, you can honor that they're in that That's position. Right. We saw that with David and Saul. We've seen it yep. throughout scripture. If God releases you, then you'll know that you were released and your character, you know, was consistent regardless of what that person did or did not do. That's but right. we know it's not easy. So I wanted to include that question just mm-hmm. because I don't want to assume that everybody's in a perfect, you yeah. know, work environment, sadly, or even church environment. So we can obviously pray. I love that. We can journal our thoughts. Um, and we can ask those questions. What do I need to learn from this? And how can you use this for your glory? Because God will answer rather than why am I here? The why yeah. questions often go undone. Yeah. Um, they're just frustrating questions, but those questions, God can really give you the answers to. So, um, so, so much, Jenny, you're an absolute well and reservoir of information. And I would love and wisdom. I would love to just continue to sit under your wisdom. And I know we're out of time, but I want to let people know where can they connect with you? I'm going to put all of your you know, Instagram and all the places in my show notes, but thank you. You want them to most connect to get your resources, especially when we talked about today is the four dimensions of extraordinary leadership, wherever your leadership and influence 
you know, God has you in this position at this time, I would highly recommend you pick up a copy. I know you have a podcast, all the things, where do you want them to go? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the best place to go would be, um, I lead an organization called the foresight group and that is where you can find all of it. So the website is get foresight. It's the word get G E T. It's the number four and the word site S I G H T. So get foresight.com and lots of free resources. You can find the book, you can find my podcast. Um, all of that is there. And you can also just connect with me through the website as well. So that would be a great way to connect. And I'll love that in my show notes. And she's going to pray for us in just a second as we close, but I always love to ask one last question. You've inspired so many people to make their lives matter through their leadership, through loving others. Well, other than Jesus in the Bible, Jenny, who has most inspired you to make life matter? Yeah. Um, you know, I think of, okay. Clarification is the question who else in the Bible or just who else beyond Jesus? I love the Bible. Bible, If you can, I know there's a million people that inspire us, but is there a person in the Bible, male or the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. I I used to say biblical character, but they are real people, but someone in the Bible, maybe who you're like, you know, their life is just extraordinary to me, or I can't wait to meet them or a question you couldn't wait to ask. It could be a man or a woman though. Yeah. Um, no, I appreciate it. I, the first time I heard you say it, I thought you meant in the Bible. And then I was like, wait, did I hear her right? Oh, you, yeah. Um, I would love it. Someone in the Bible, if possible. Yeah. The quick and easy answer for me is Deborah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Deborah in the book of judges, you know, she's such a unique individual because she was prophet, priest and judge of Israel. And she's the only female named with those, those responsibilities. Right. right. And so you just see a strength of confidence in leading, um, the Israelites into battle and just the, the whole story is phenomenal. It's really short. It's like a chapter and a half. Oh, right? and so we get very little detail, but enough to go. She, I think she was pretty remarkable and I can't wait to meet her. I agree. I actually spoke on her on mother's day. So she, Oh, I love it. Yeah. I was thinking, man, I wish I had more, but for people who are unfamiliar with her story, go to judges and look, but she has a song, the song of Deborah, and you can see in there, her character. Yes. Even like you were saying, when you said that there's a verse that says, how great is it when princes take the lead? And when this happens and that happens and what she's doing is praising the people around or her community for leading well. And so it's everything we've full circle how you started for her to say, Hey, look how great I was. I rode into battle. No, it's not a song Mm-mm. about herself. It's a song about the community and other people who also served alongside of her and using their strengths and giftings and together yes, accomplished victory. So yeah, she's an extraordinary leader, but she's also an external example of everything that you've talked about today. So I can see you, her and me in a huddle somewhere in heaven <laughs> going, okay, let's, let's talk about all the things and jail, like behind the scenes. Like that's just yes. such a crazy story. It's so, it's just a lot to unpack. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time, guys, please go check out everything. Jenny Catron in this series on leadership. I knew that I wanted to include her. Um, her book has just been, it's, it's one of those, I usually gift books that I read. I read a ton and I'm not gifting this. This is staying in my library. It is underlined. <laughs> that means a lot. Highlighted. I'm like, no, no, you can go get your own. So um, I love people it. ask me all the time, what book have you read lately you recommend? And this is at my top short list. So thank I you, Jenny. That. I just pray. Thank you. So pray over our listeners, especially those who feel like, okay, I want to get unstuck or where, whatever mm. the Lord puts on your heart. But I know so many things landed um, in, in our hearts and minds and spirit today. So thank you so much for closing our time in prayer. Absolutely. Let's pray. God, we are grateful that you choose to work in and through us, 
that your design is that we would partner with you. And God, in doing so, you've given us gifts and you've given us talents and you've given us opportunities and experiences that every person listening today has been shaped by uniquely. God, that you've designed every person listening today, you've designed them uniquely. You've given them a very specific and unique sphere of influence. People that, um, God, you have entrusted in their care and you've given that privilege of leadership. And so, God, I pray today that something that we've talked about might have sparked an idea or given somebody hope or helped them see the potential and the capacity that they have to use that their influence, that power to change or affect others, God, that they would see a unique way to do that, a way to give the gift of belief or a way to um, love and lead people with heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, I just pray that there be some little nugget that we can take and we can apply and we can just see your hand at work through our lives and in through our influence and through the places that you've called us to lead. God, thank you for Angela and her whole team that makes this possible and pours into the lives of so many leaders. God, we're grateful um, just for the privilege to learn and grow together. And so I thank you for that. And I, God, just ask for your favor and your blessing on every person listening. Um, God, that you would speak the loudest, that your voice would be the loudest in our lives. And uh, God, that we would be receptive and, um, and just follow you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.